0: Pastor Xavier Reese, and a sober reminder about eternity.
1: For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Have you ever gone to a cemetery? It gives the man's birth date, a hyphen, and his death date. Your whole life is summed up with a hyphen. That's it. If this doesn't give you perspective, nothing will. Listen close. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How much of your life is devoted to getting ahead, to getting things, and to become successful? Today, as he continues his series in the book of 1 Timothy, Pastor Xavier explores the most basic of human desires, the need to accumulate things. And with a look at what should be our true focus, let's join him for today's eye-opening Simple Truths study.
1: 1 Timothy chapter 6, and the message is entitled, Be Godly with Contentment. Paul now here in verses 6 through 8, is going to describe the godly person who stands in sharp contrast to the ungodly teachers he has just described in the previous verses. To give us a proper view of godliness in relationship to material gain, and he gives us three important principles. Let me read these verses for us. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Real basic. Here's the three principles. Verse 6. The principle of godliness is based on attitude. Attitude. Secondly, in verse 7. The principle of godliness is based on the fundamental evidence. Giving proper perspective. Fundamental evidence. And then verse 8, the principle of godliness is to be lived out in life with contentment. Notice first, the foundation of godliness is based on the attitude of who I am, not what I do. Who I am. The godly believer stands in sharp contrast to the false teacher, of verse 3 through 5. The godly believer does not do things to be godly, but he yields and depends on Christ to be made godly. Now, notice the word godliness. It is a key word to the epistle, which means piety and holiness. That which is the inner reality, not the outward formality. Thereby he is compelled to do what? To honor God. That's what we're talking about. My attitude of who I am will manifest what I do and how I do it. Notice, secondly, he goes in the second principle in verse 7. The principle of godliness is based on fundamental evidence Giving proper perspective If this doesn't give you perspective Nothing will Listen close For we brought nothing into the world And it is certain we can carry nothing out How's that? Have you ever gone to a cemetery? It gives the man's birth date Or woman A hyphen And his death date Your whole life is summed up with a hyphen That's it Pretty sobering, isn't it? Notice the first fundamental evidence that should give me perspective about the true value of material gain is the fact that when I was born, I didn't bring anything in, in, with me. Real simple. I mean, these are real deep theological things Paul's using. <laughs> he's, look at the kid. He's screaming. He's, he's naked. You ever, you ever hear on the news that the kid was born with a three-piece suit? <laughs> Custom huggies or something? Nothing. The creation of my person was the sovereign act of God through the instrumentality of my parents. The entrance of my life to this world was in complete nakedness. Job 1.21 says, Naked I came and naked I leave. Solomon, once again, Ecclesiastes speaks about this. Solomon, uh, Ecclesiastes 5.15 and Psalm 49.17. Both of those scriptures say you can take nothing with you. Absolutely Nothing. Jesus spoke more about hell and money than he did about heaven. Do you know that? First of all, because no one believes in hell, but they're hoping there's a heaven. That's like blood, sweat, and tears in the 60s to sing that song. I pray there's a heaven. I hope there's no hell. Well, there is. And money, because money is, is the thing that people live for. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You've got to hang out to everything real loose, real loose. You may have it today and not tomorrow. What are you going to do? What would happen if if, uh, by some chance whatever would happen, that next month you would be absolutely broke? Would that change your attitude towards godliness? Would it change your attitude towards God? By the same token, next month a wealthy relative dies, or you happen to buy a lotto ticket and you win the lotto. Is that going to change your attitude towards godliness or towards God? It shouldn't. But the potential's there, isn't it? On both ends. Notice, secondly, here, the second fundamental evidence that should give me perspective about the true value of material gain is the fact that I cannot take anything with me when I die. The first one is, I come in with nothing. The second is, I go out with nothing. Things are temporal at best. Either their loss, their decay, or the loss of my life will bring this to pass. Take nothing with me. Solomon again in Ecclesiastes 5, 13, and 15, listen to him. Because, I mean, you know, the guy was rich. He says, There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun, riches kept for their owners to his hurt. But those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. And he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and he shall Take nothing from his labor which he has carried away in his hand. So men have always been aware of this, but it hasn't stopped them long enough to really consider throughout life. And they put their investment into all these pursuits and they throw away the most valuable things. Solomon is reflecting as an old man. You live a little longer. You look back and you say, man, I was dumb. My constant is, Lord... Let me be less stupid than I was when I first began. Become a little wiser. Psalm 49, 16 and 7 says, Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. That should sober all of us up. The equal state of a person's ability to retain material gain is marked by the brief transitory state of his life. Nothing comes in and nothing goes out. <laughs> Real simple. Things are of value only in this world. Keep that in mind. Not in the next. Things are not to be the goal of my life because they are. They will bring great anxiety to me. Philippians 4, 6-7 uh, through 7 says... Everything by prayer and supplication. Don't be anxious for anything. Let your request be made known unto God. We need work, we need to buy clothes, we need to have a house, and all that, and that's legitimate, but that's not the goal. And I live within my means. Too many people live above their means. And they're comparing and they're competing and everything else. And, you know, especially in the family. You know, well, they're this and they that and I got to keep up with them. You know, and they don't, you don't want them to think that you're the loser in the family and you haven't made anything of yourself. So here you go. You spend money that you can't afford and you buy things that you really have no right to. And then all of a sudden you claim bankruptcy. Those on the quest, he's already told us, for riches bring ruin to their life. Verse 9. Because the love of money. Verse 10. is what drives them. Alexander the Great we are told, being upon his deathbed, commanded that when he was carried out forth to the grave, that his hands should not be wrapped as was usual in his gravecloths, but it should be left outside the coffin so that they were empty, that there was nothing in them. Now he was born to one empire. He conquered another. The possessor while he lived of two worlds, of East and West, and of treasures of both, yet when he was dead, he could retain not even the smallest portion of his treasures, empty hand. The poor beggar and he were at last on equal terms. Pretty amazing. Now, as Christians were to be unconcerned with the goal of amassing wealth for the sense of importance or just to bring pleasure to ourselves. There's nothing wrong with being a steward of it, but lest we become like that man who said in Luke 12, 15 through 21, uh, you know, my barns are all full. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down those barns, build bigger ones, and then I'll say to my soul, take ease of yourself. And God says, You fool. Today, your soul is required of you. The first mistake he made is to think that his soul needed ease. It's the body who needs rest, not the soul. (laughs) And he lost the perspective between what God had blessed him with to be used in wisdom, and as God directed, and he thought to spend it on himself. I have never seen a hearse hauling a U-Haul. Never. Now, there was a lady in Texas or a guy in Texas who was just so wealthy and she, he left in his will that he wanted to be buried with his big Cadillac with a stogie in his mouth and his Texan hat. And they, they buried that sucker just like that. And the guy's looking on and said, man, that's living. <laughs> As you obtain more things or I in life, you will discover that it doesn't quench your desire for more. It only intensifies it. <laughs> it just doesn't. Proverbs 27.20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, neither do the eyes of man ever satisfied. We always want more. And the truth of the matter is, you know, pretty soon things own us. And I've got so many things that i got to take care of all these things and there goes all of my day. So all of us, on different levels have to make decisions wherever we're at if you make 100,000 a year then you're going to live on a different level if you make 50,000 you're going to live a different level if you make 25,000 you're going to be a different level but make sure it's in proportion and as a steward and that that doesn't bring you into bondage where all your energies and thoughts are placed on things and managing those things cuz then where's the kingdom Where's the relationship with Jesus Christ? The principle of godliness is based on fundamental evidence, giving proper perspective. All enter this world naked, and no one takes anything out. Everything's left behind. Notice third and last in verse 8, the principle of godliness is to be lived out in life with contentment. Here's the key. And having food and clothing... With these, we shall be content. Notice he didn't give a big old list. Food and clothing. Wow. That boils it down to simplicity, right? When you have one pair of shoes, you don't get up no more and say, tough decision. I have nothing to wear. (laughs) You take your shoes, you polish them, and you put them on. That's all. Ladies, you get up and you have five things in your closet. It makes it easier to decide. You get up, you have a hundred things, your clients say, I don't have a thing to wear. (laughs) We're bad. Notice, first of all, the advantage of having the right attitude and proper perspective about the value of material possessions in contrast to godliness is that I can be content with food. The basics. Clothes. Food. The food may not be the most expensive that I eat, the food may not be as good as my neighbors, but God provides food. And yet, you can rise up to eat filet mignon every week and be the most miserable person in the world. And when they bring it to you in the restaurant they say, hey, this ain't cooked enough, take it back. Listen, real, real simple key, don't ever make the waiter mad in public places. <laughs> because they take that thing you complain about behind closed doors, And God only knows what they do when they get it back to you, okay? So whenever you order food, don't ever complain. Eat it. Don't make the cook or the waitress mad, especially in fast food. A bunch of brain-damaged kids working in there. Be careful, okay? Be careful. You better thank God you don't know what they've done, some of the things. Both of these words, by the way, are in the plural, clothes and food. God's going to be faithful. Listen to the prayer of contentment in Proverbs uh, 30, verse 8 and 9. Two things I request of you, speaking to God. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies from, from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Good balance. Now notice secondly here, the advantage of having the right attitude and proper perspective about the value of material possessions in contrast to godliness is that I can be content having clothing. Food first, not clothing. The clothes may not be the latest fashion. It may not be the brand name. As Americans, we're pushed through all this stuff. The clothing may not be an abundance of quality. As I spoke earlier, maybe you only have a few. It's okay. If you're working, you're being a steward, you're going to get further ahead. But even as you get further ahead, you have to have containment and contentment. Otherwise, you're just throwing things away. It's no good. God is faithful. In fact, right here, the form of speech that is being used here with food and clothing is called synecdoche. The literary word which when apart is used to represent the whole. So food and clothing here are being used as the essential representative of what is basic to life, to support life. He's just wrapping it all up with these two words. In other words, God is going to be faithful to provide for you for the things that you need as you seek Him, as you work hard, as you are a steward, as you are benevolent, as you are merciful, he will do that. A person who is living for things and possessions will never be satisfied. Never. Notice, thirdly, the advantage of having the right attitude and proper perspective about the value of material possession, in contrast to godliness is that I can live content. There's a bottom line. I can live content. Having the most basic things of life. And some of you know that. Some of you have experienced that when you're in the world. You might have come from poor backgrounds and you went up and you started growing everything else. And it was really the having of things that that brought you to your knees before Christ. And you were happier when you were just a common person and just with the basic things. And it's the things and the enrichment that got you in trouble. And you weren't content any longer. The word is the verb form of the noun that is found in verse 6. Notice the tense. It is the future. We shall be content. See, because you're content right now doesn't guarantee you're going to be content tomorrow. Remember the chicken and the mouse. (laughs) Okay? So it's something you and I have to continually strive as we stay in the word and bring ourselves to remembrance over and over again. Jesus will be faithful to provide. I must be a faithful steward of the resources. That's my responsibility. This contentment is for the present. As well as the future. He was content at this point. He says now. So what will we be in the future. It arises from. The awareness of verse 7. I come in naked. I take nothing out. So I don't buy and I don't live on my emotions. I buy and I live on my knowledge. Next time you go to the store, ladies and gentlemen, and you feel you have to have something, don't buy it. And go home and pray and wait at least two to three days. 85 to 90% of the time, you will not return to buy it. The word teaches and implies elements of stewardship on whatever level you're at. So that you can be like Paul and I can be like Paul in Philippians 4.11. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me in contentment, whether I have a lot or a little. Hold everything real, real loose. So when God asks you to let go of it, you're not crying like a baby. Release it. The word teaches and implies that God is ever faithful to provide for the most basic things of life. He does this even for the non believer. For Matthew 5 45 says, The rain falls on the just and the unjust. God is so good that He provides the most basic things for even the pagan who hates Him. He provides rain for His seed so He can have bread. That's the type of God that we serve. But never should we conclude as Christians that because I'm a Christian, I should be rich. Or because I have wealth, that that makes me better. Never. Wrong message. These words teach us very clearly that we cannot serve two masters. We will love one or hate the other. One of the two. And so we have to be careful. Matthew 6, 24 through 32. All these things the Gentiles seek after. Jesus says it shall not be you. Now I'm not here to condemn you if you're wealthy. Or if God has blessed you. But I hope you walk out with the attitude of steward. Being a steward of God. And that godliness is a greater gain than anything you can gain materially in this world. Our forefathers did without sugar until the 13th century. Without coal fires until the 14th century. Without battered bread until the 15th century without potatoes until the 16th century without coffee until the 17th century without pudding until the 18th century without eggs matches and electricity until the 19th century without canned goods until the 20th century now what was it that we were complaining about? amazing there are body needs that God has placed in us called a Hemostasis, the ability and the tendency of an organism or a cell to maintain internal equilibrium by adjusting its physiological processes such as our air drive, our hunger drive, our sex drive, they're all legitimate, but even those that are so legitimate can be abused, right? You can take any of the natural things and pervert them. I need to distinguish between my needs and my greeds. I need to spend less than I make. There's emotional needs that need to be met, but they come through a relationship that's genuine. If I prostitute that and I, and I go to get my emotional needs met or my physical needs met apart from true love, the love of God, then it's wrong. Then there's no real value in it. All there is is immediate satisfaction. But there's no longing investment. There are spiritual needs that only God can meet. And they come through the word of God. Through communion and prayer. Through fellowship in the body. Through being a doer of the word of God. So I need to have good perspective. From the scriptures. I need to have the right attitude by the work of the spirit in my heart. So this way I can live out what is truly truly valuable. The principle of godliness is to be lived out in life, being content with the basic needs of life. Man, there was a real problem in Ephesus. It was a wealthy church. I've been there. Streets of marble. Do you know they had running water there in those days? Indoor plumbing. I saw it. Amazing. Wealthy for those days. So Paul has described the godly man here in contrast to the ungodly false teachers and the people who are following them. The principle of godliness is based on attitude. The principle of godliness is based on the fundamental evidence of your birth and your death. You come in naked, you go out the same way. Empty. Nothing. And the principle of God is to be lived out in a life of contentment. Oh, you'll be a happy person. True happiness. And then you'll be an honor to your Father. And to all who look upon you.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the secret to true success. And you can pick up your own copy of today's message, Be Godly with Contentment. It's available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what we studied the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Be Godly with Contentment, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, And please, it's important that you include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us gauge the effectiveness of this outreach in your area. Well, tell a friend and join us for the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese for more illuminating study from the Word of God.